Hello, everybody. My name is Jordan, and this is an Increased Christmas mini-series to celebrate how your giving has changed lives. The idea is that we would be able to connect some of the dots of Increased Christmas to stories and real people that have been impacted by your generosity over the years. This week, I sat down with John from Childbridge, Montana, to talk about how partnering with Increased Christmas has impacted Childbridge. He talked about the generational impact healthy foster care homes have on our community as a whole and ways to get involved with their ministry. Here is my conversation with John. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode in our Increased Christmas mini stories. Today I have with me, and I actually, John, I should have done this <laughs> in our pre-roll. I, I say your last name, and I'm pretty sure I say it wrong. So I'm going to butcher it, and then you can correct me, and that's okay. We'll do it publicly. But I, I'm with John Kreese. Did I say it right? Uh, no. Uh, it's it's <laughs> Great. It is Christ. <laughs> Dang it. John Christ with Childbridge. And if you've been around Faith Chapel, you'd probably recognize his voice and his face. He's uh, been a representative with Childbridge through uh, our local partnership for some time. But John's here to to help us understand uh, what Childbridge is, what he gets to do with them, and our Increased Christmas Partnership. So before I butcher more than just your last name, John, would you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you get to do with Childbridge? Yeah, no, first of all, uh, thank you for having me. It's really exciting to get to be here. Uh, I love the uh, just the community that you guys have around this. Again, my name is John Christ. It's uh, German, not Hebrew. Um, <laughs> and uh, really, what I get to do with Childbridge, I'm the Billings Area Regional Director and uh, for Childbridge. And as a Christian organization, really, our mission is that we want to find and equip foster and adoptive families for children who've suffered abuse and neglect. And so... What that means is, I guess, as an organization, is that we look to recruit to find families uh, for foster care uh, in Montana, um, and we're spread across the state. But then also with that, once families are entering into the licensing process or once they are already licensed, that we really work on how do we equip them. And so yeah. it's a finding and equipping. Those are kind of those two pillars. And so um, I have some family interaction and engagement with our licensed families that I do. We're not a licensing organization. We don't do placements of children, but we literally come alongside the families and what they're doing, the foster families. And so with my role, a lot of it is with the recruitment side of it of as a family comes and says, hey, we'd like to be introduced to the state or we have questions about foster care. I get to do a lot of work in that. And so, okay. um, yeah, and, but as well as some of our other offerings that we do, the different meetings and, and things, I really get to get uh, heavily involved in, in, in those as well. Yeah. And I've been doing this for uh, two and a half years now. I've been involved with uh, with Childbridge. It's just been an exciting journey. So, yeah. And I, I, I love the clarification that you guys aren't the ones that license. And so the word that popped into my head, would it be accurate to say that you guys are equippers in the sense that you're coming alongside people who have this heart and this passion and both on the front end where you're you're preparing them for the process, but also once they've entered into either foster or adoptive care, you're helping resource and equip them to continue the journey. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I think that's really true. The heart behind it, I think, being that sometimes people feel, well, you know, why aren't you focusing just on the foster children? And we've realized if we can act, and there's other organizations doing that and doing that well. And we've realized with our lane that we can really step into is that if we can come alongside foster families who are doing this uh, through the state of Montana and giving them the tools to foster well, 
it's not going to just be affecting one child or one life, which is yeah. wonderful in itself, but we're going to be able to equip families to over the long haul begin to be in this and affect many lives. Um, and so I think that's kind of the beauty of, of the mission that we're doing is we really have this chance to see a long-term um, impact uh, through families being equipped with the right tools, the right trainings and those things to just uh, to foster well. Yeah. Can you, can you dive into that for a second of what does it mean to come alongside a family? So can you give us some of the tangibles yeah. of what that would be both on the, the front end, but also maybe there's a foster family that's already in the thick of it and how your, your organization would come alongside them? Yeah, no, uh, good question. Uh, so I think, you know, as, as much as I do with the whole um, recruiting side of it, uh, the, there's the other side of what we do here in, in or this office and around the state with the equipping component of it. And uh, what that really looks like, we have a monthly uh, group that meets together where there's a meal, the children go into uh, childcare, uh, they have a meal for them as well. So the, the foster parents get to get together hang out, enjoy a nice, delicious food to, uh, together. And then we go and we have a, a, a short uh, video after that that really hits on a deeper subject that the families are dealing with. That it could be something of how do you deal with biological parents, you know, yeah. uh, of these the child that's in your home or just navigating behavioral things and whatnot, giving, you know, the parents perspective. And then after the video, the teaching, they have a chance at this point then to break into small groups with each other and really dive uh, deeper into those questions with one another around uh, the, the topic that we were discussing. Yeah. I think a beautiful example, one of the groups we had, five or six of the individuals who were there were single adults who have been doing foster uh, care, some for over a decade, others uh, who were just starting this process. And it was kind of this beautifully, uh, I don't know, I say random, but it was really, I believe, God who just put them all in the same group. So they were all together just having this discussion. I think the beautiful thing to watch was at the end of the conversation, um, these adults who kind of have some unique challenges of being a single, you know, a parent, foster parent in this, they really came away with a sense of I am seen, I am known, and I'm not alone. And I think those are some of the basic needs, right, that we have as individuals to be known, to be, to be seen. And and I just saw them drawing strength from that of, you know, I, I have the strength and I have others that I can walk forward with in community, just as the children in foster care are wounded in community and they find a place of healing in community. So often or so also to these uh, individuals who are doing foster care, they need that community to do this together. You know, I know that's obviously a microcosm of faith and what we walk in, that we all need community, but uh, we see our, our parents that we're connected with and the families we're connected with, they need a deeper sense of, of community too, to, to walk through life with, to face the struggles and the joys of, of foster care with. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love that that's one of the focuses. And, you know, with Faith Chapel, one of our core values is that we grow better together. And mm -hmm. so we've got this this idea that, you know, we're, we're not trying to do life alone. And we have this deep, deep value sense that life is meant to be shared. Mm -hmm. um, and so especially when it comes to some of the more difficult parts of life, having other people to bear burdens and to, I mean, even as parents, you know, like, when I'm able to go, oh, okay, this isn't something, you know, when I see other parents dealing with the same thing my kids are dealing with, where it's like, oh, okay, the, your kid sasses you the way my kid sasses me. I'm not alone. <laughs> Just those moments alone in sharing those stories often are enough to go, okay, I'm not completely, you know, alone. I'm not completely screwing this up. This is normal. This is part of life. So I love that you guys are trying to create that community because I imagine that, that, in the chaos of, of foster care, that could 
just become grueling and 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 sometimes feel isolating. So so thanks for for creating that. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. One of my favorite things, and I said it even just this last weekend, is that that increased Christmas is something where we get to know the partners on the other side of the generosity of our church, of our people that we get to, even for me personally, that I get to know some of the stories of what's happening. And so what I love about these conversations, what we're doing right now is we get to, um, I use the phrase, connect the dots with our generosity is doing this. These are real people, real stories, real impact in communities. And so can you begin to give us a, a glimpse, John, of how his Increased Christmas partnered with Childbridge? Increased Christmas has been such a blessing to us. Um, the financial partnering with us has really enabled us to provide better content videos and just some of the programs that we've had to really connect with families. And just, I think that that partnership has also opened the, the door for us to have a broader uh, presence as far as being known here, even in the Billings area where I am. This year, we've had 25 families so far who've been introduced to the state, and many of those through Increased Christmas and this, you know, the connections we've been able to make uh, with that. And that's not just 25 children that are going to be connected with these families. If you realize that most families are going to bring more than a child in their home and exponentially over the years, that impact is going to greatly increase um, to affect multiple children who will grow up and will have seen healthy, not perfect families, but healthy families and be able to be in with families who are, you know, fully, more fully equipped to foster well and foster long-term. And so I see that as one of the greatest impacts that you've made. I mean, with Increased Christmas, it's making an impact in future generations through that, just through generosity. So thank you so much. I, we feel so blessed with Childbridge that, that you guys have partnered with us. So. It's great to hear. I love the idea that that it's not just now, it's not just immediate, but that it has um, a ripple effect or, you know, that it, that it has a legacy to leave on, that there's other generations that are going to be impacting. I, I feel like that's some of the more effective ways to be generous is when you know that it's not just, I, I, I don't really like this term because it can, it can sometimes degrade the immediacy of sometimes the type of care that needs to happen. But, but occasionally we can get into the pattern of band-aid giving right where you're just dealing with the surface issue but but it sounds like this is something that's that's going deeper it's going beyond and i love that that it can have lasting impact instead of something that's only dealing with and again the immediate needs are important it's a good thing to do but but i love the sound and the the idea that the generosity is going to carry on for generations that's beautiful no i think it's a beautiful part where we really get to see it's not just a one-time gift, you know, or, or a one-time um, impact that we get to make, but it's literally something that can have a generational, a legacy impact. I actually met in a church uh, the other day, a, a gentleman who was um, in his sixties, I believe, and he brought up his son and his grandson. And he said, I had aged out of the father foster system, but he went back to school. He'd done well in life, but the real success he'd had was he'd, basically had a family, you know, his son, his other children, and then grandkids who have grown up in a Christ-centered family. And he was just talking about like, that's, that's kind of that legacy. And I know Childbridge wasn't around during uh, his, you know, when he was in the, the system, but it was beautiful to see that, you know, these are the same types of impacts. It's I think, symbolic of the type of an impact that, that this is making in, in the future that we'll see this years down the road. So, yeah, absolutely. So you said you're in Montana and you're, uh, 
obviously your role is is located locally in Billings. So can you give us a glimpse of what is what is the landscape of our community right now when it comes to adoptive and foster care? Just to give, I guess, a little perspective. I'm somebody who likes to have a little, I don't know, fuller understanding of, you know, some numbers, something to kind of compare it to. And sure. So I was, I was kind of looking, you know, you look at Hardin, Montana, roughly because we're in Billings, right? Um, 3,600 people live in the town of Hardin. In Montana as a whole right now, there are roughly 3,400 kids who are in the uh, state foster care system. So this doesn't include some of the other tribal numbers, the First Nations uh, numbers. Um, and so you see roughly the amount of children who are in the state care is about the same size as uh, the town of Hardin. And about a quarter of those, 821, are right here in Yellowstone County, right in our backyard. We're, we're usually the, numerically at the top as far as most children in care or, you know, we're in, usually per capita, we're one or two with uh, Cascade County, Great Falls area. And so we see this, this giant need, um, but we also have many families who are coming in. I think the last numbers I heard, there's about across the Yellowstone County, not necessarily connected with Childbridge, there's over 400 families. But we're getting close to 200 families right now that we've had relationship with after being here for about six years. So we're getting closer to that halfway mark of an impact with with the families who are doing this to be able to kind of reach out to them. But I mean, you really see where uh, there's we're per capita. Montana is one of the higher states across the nation for kids in care. I know we're smaller numerically uh, is in regards to most states, but we're still seeing that we're usually between one numbers one and three per capita of children who are in care. And so a lot of that seems to have to do with drug use, math, these types of things. And so two thirds of the children who are in care typically are reunified. And that's the ultimate goal of foster care. And so sometimes people think, oh, you know, is foster care just cheap adoption? We can grow our family this way. But we really see, you know, the need as being people who are coming in in this legacy kind of a way and who are making a, a more of a, that long term commitment of we're going to impact many of these, you know, 821 children in our in our backyard here in Yellowstone County. There's a, I don't have it here today, but there's a, a jar that I usually keep about 821 M&Ms in, you know, and I use that as a, a, a whenever I speak in at organizations or churches, I use that as a nice visual of this is what we have with kids in care. And it just kind of helps me to keep a reminder of what is the need in our, in our area. And these are kids who've come from places of abuse and come from places of neglect. And I think sometimes we do the disservice of saying these children are broken goods, they're damaged goods, and, and they're not. They're children who really they've been removed from their home because of abuse and neglect. We can fill in the gaps, but they need a place where they can find not a perfect family, but a healthy family that they can be a part of. This family is willing to step into their world and say, my home, my house, our family can be a place of healing, of hope for you, however long you're here. And so however long they're there, they get to be a part of that and they get to um, experience what that's like. It's just a beautiful thing. Uh, James one twenty seven talks about that religion that is pure and undefiled before the Lord is this, that we see the orphans or the children in foster care is our context uh, in their distress. And I mean, scripture backs that up uh, through many, many uh, places. And he's, James is really using Old Testament language, I believe here to talk about what does our practical religion of being doers of the word in the, the broader context of that, that chapter. And we get the opportunity to be doers of the word to reach out and to see the orphans, to see them in their distress and down in the dirt with them. And through that, be the hands and feet of Jesus to bring hope, to bring healing, to bring life into that. Jason Johnson is a national speaker on foster care. He made the comment of with foster care, it's not just 
inviting someone into our lives, inviting a child into our world, but it's really us stepping into their world um, and saying, I'm here and really being a consistent presence in that way with them. And so when I think of the need, I think of it in that way. And uh, kind of turning from that, we even see this beautiful chance where I see the victory with Childbridge with our heart is that as we're seeing families equipped, that we see them long-term being able to take care of this need. So I know I'm kind of, I guess, not to be the broken record, but it's like, that's, I feel like that's the joy in what we really get to do is get to see families equipped to make a greater impact and a greater difference in these, uh, these lives. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. What are you excited? So I think with, with those numbers, it can probably feel sometimes difficult you know, that's a lot to, to, to wrap your mind around and to, to tackle. And it's going to take time. It's not going to be, you know, uh, there's not gonna be a solution that just pops up overnight, but I'm sure there are exciting stories and I'm sure there's momentum. And so as you look to the future of what's happening, what is around the corner, what's on the horizon, where's the momentum, where are you guys going, man, we can't wait for this to, to, to happen. So can you speak to some of that? Yeah. In the past couple months, we've actually relaunched our live uh, monthly meetings. And we've seen families come back in and engage. We've seen churches that have partnered with us financially. We've seen, you know, increased Christmas, you know, partner with us in this way. But we've also seen churches and other individuals say, we want to partner with you guys with get some, you know, of our actual skin in the game of volunteering and doing these things. And we're seeing families just coming back, you know, in, in large numbers for this. And they're re-engaging after a time of, you know, cultural isolation, you know, in some ways with, with COVID where we've pulled back, but seeing people come back in and stepping into community, the way that it's been done, I believe has just been just to me so exciting to see people yeah. responding in that way. I know recently with decisions on Roe v. Wade, you know, and whatnot, no matter where people feel in a line on that, um, that issue, the exciting thing has been, I've seen the church in light of that step up and say, we need to do something about this and churches saying we're going to, you know, do something about this as well as people at churches really begin to say, this is how I'm going to put, you know, flesh to my faith and, and live this out. And so I think from my side of it, I really see a lot of that. And it's such a great cause for excitement to see the body of Christ being the body of Christ. We're seeing parents of uh, foster parents learning the skills um, of how does the child in their care cope? And how do I know my child better um, so that these children come in often with difficult uh, and, and uh, maladaptive coping strategies where they'll push away if it feels too close. When it gets hard, it's I'm going to push you away um, and not be close and, and act out. And parents beginning to realize this is what this is. This is what's going on. And how do I come alongside them in a, in a safe and a healthy way and adapt to this? And so I guess as I see parents truly and, and, and even the uh, the children's long-term placements in their home or, you know, biological children or adopted, like, who are wrapping around these children as well and saying, this is what it means to be family. This is what it means to be connected, which we truly just see, I don't, I, I see an excitement uh, rising in, in my heart of just like, wow, you know, this is, this is what we get to do. This is the tangible of what we get to see happening and the effect going on. So I love that. That's so cool. Can you, is there any specific stories that you could tell of some of the impact of what's, what's happened just to kind of even, you know, zoom in a little bit, a little bit closer to some of those? No, so I think of a uh, one story and this was uh, shared um, through a video at a local church and there was an individual and there, uh, he's into BMX bikes and all these other things. And, uh, for he, a while he and his wife were kind of like, well, what do we want to do here? You know, do we want to do foster care? Do we not? And as they begin to talk more about it, 
um, they just, uh, they, they saw a childbirth presentation at their church and they were like, something began to stir in them. And so as they began to talk more about this, uh, they really began to dive into like, we either have these reasons of, um, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time, other resources. I just don't have, don't have, don't have. And they begin to realize, are these reasons, are these excuses for us? And for themselves, they realize, no, these are actually excuses. Sure. And so they began to set those aside and they stepped into the foster care and they got their license. And he was actually out in his barn riding on his bike. That one of their first sets of placements that they had, these two young boys pulled up. Before the car was even put into park, these boys just were like out the door and just like running toward the barn where he was at because they could see him riding around. And uh, they get up there and he's like getting them on bikes and showing them different tricks and, and these types of things. And as he was kind of talking about it in this video, he began to share. It was really at that point where he realized the unique way that God has designed me, the desire, passion, um, the gifts and those things that I have. God is using that to bring healing and hope to these two boys. And so to me, it's such a huge success of him realizing God has called me to this and God has equipped me to do this. God used him just as he is to make an impact in his lives. And I think that's just beautiful. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things. And, and, and even in all the conversations I get to have with with this platform of podcasting and and having, you know, conversations with people around the country, people that we're partnering with, one of the things that I want people to understand, and, and it's always a good reminder for me, is we tend to disqualify ourselves as humans all the time for, oh, well, the reason they're able to do that is because of this and I don't have that. But all those excuses are just that. They're just excuses because throughout scripture, throughout stories that you're sharing, it's always what is God placed right in front of you and how can you just leverage that for the kingdom of God? How can you just surrender that and say, God, use it? It's the the five loaves and the fish, right? It's, it's God, this is all I've got, but I think you can use it and you can do something magnificent with it. And so every time there's an example of somebody just surrendering what sometimes feels too small or too insignificant to the Lord, God can take it and he can multiply it and he can do some, some wonderful things. I love stories like that because it's all ordinary. We're all just regular people just trying to do what we can to serve the kingdom of God. And I'm hoping that, and this is the perfect segue, I'm hoping that there would be people who are listening to our conversation and they would be stirred, that they would be passionate about everything you've just shared and that they would want to be involved somehow. So John, what are some ways people can get involved and how can they reach out to Childbridge to say, hey, I want to raise my hand. I want to come alongside what you're doing. I want to get involved. I want to find out more. No, that's, uh, thank you. Um, I think just to follow up on your thought there, even that whole, I often, as I speak at churches, try to encourage people or I'm sharing with groups of, as a follower of Christ, what is that next step in obedience to him? Where do we go from there? And so another statement I often use is, um, are we all called to do foster care? No. But are we all called to do something about this? I think, yes, the the passages we talked about really point to that. And so not to give you a way out of doing foster care, but like if that's if foster care is something that you want to ask more questions about, that you're like, this is just there on your heart and kind of burning. If you just want to talk about it, um, if you reach out, you can go to our website at uh, childbridgemontana.org. And there's a place up in the upper right-hand corner of the screen, that little button that says foster. And if you read down through that page, it explains a little bit of the foster process. 
And then it will actually, there'll be a little place to click on to fill out a short application, name, address, phone number to kind of so we can get a hold of you and kind of get connected in that way. And whether you're in the Billings area or no matter where you are across the state of Montana, that'll get you connected according to kind of whoever's working in that region where you're at. And that's probably the best way um, to, to get a hold of us in that way. But childbridgemontana.org is that, uh, that address. Uh, you can also connect there if you're interested in volunteering. Um, to help. We have these different resource groups uh, and, and other things around the state. We're always looking for people to help with meal help, with meal prep, with um, volunteering with the child care to help to, you know, one night a month to watch over these, you know, watch with these kiddos while the parents are in um, the teaching and the other places. And so those are two excellent ways to get involved. Another a large one, if you're um, not just with Increased Christmas, but if, if you want to give as well as an individual or an organization, uh, we're being a, a nonprofit. We raise all of our uh, operating costs and those things through the generosity of places like Increased Christmas and churches and organizations and whatnot. And so um, there's even a place on the website where you can go to do that as well. But volunteering, giving and um fostering. Those are really the big areas that we have the needs for. Um, and so, yeah, that those would be excellent ways to get involved. Love it. Well, John, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing with us and for your continued work in being a part of the solution. And hopefully you get some people who reach out and, and connect with you and thanks for your time today. Yeah, Jordan, thank you so much. As, uh, as always, it's a privilege talking with you, my friend. Find out how to be involved with Increase Christmas, head to increase.christmas to read about the categories and to give. Thank you for giving gifts that change lives. 